Okay, I'm back. Okay. Welcome, Christian Israel patriots, white nationalists, and all those who are concerned with the absolute truth as opposed to the garbage we're being fed by mainstream uh, uh, kike media and uh, people in Kikistan controlling the world through the United Nations, etc. This is the reality we're living in. That we're hoping to wake up the rest of the world to this reality and, and stop. Believing Jewish lies. Uh, uh, how about you, Michael? <laughs> Do you think that's, uh, that'd be an important mission for us? Well, that's the mission we're here for. Yeah, yeah. amen. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we're... The why we're here. We have given this this kind of what is saying, and you used the word weapon. This is what we have right now. You use the media right now, so you have to have a counterattack. There, there, false lying media right. that is. Everywhere, everywhere today, all mainstream Twitter, all this is, is run by them. So we need, we have to counteract it. Yeah, amen, amen. So, but the uh, the truth is coming out. Uh, we have uh, Kanye West uh, called the Jews out for their, the evil things they do uh, in the music industry and uh, in the media. So, and then uh, Constance. Uh, I forget what her name is, a black lady who's been calling calling out the uh, corruption of the Democratic Party. She joined Kanye West in uh, you know, exposing the Jew lies. Uh, and we just have on the front page of Eurofolk Radio a post about uh, Amazing Polly, who she finally broached the Jewish question in one of her videos, and that's on the front page of Eurofolk Radio. Please watch that when you get a chance. And uh, the really amazing stuff, uh, how the Jews control the music industry, and uh, they murder, assassinate uh, uh, you know, artists who don't play along. So they suck uh, these artists, they, they give them fat contrasts, attract contracts, promote their careers, and if they don't obey Jewish rules, they get sick and die. And that's what happened to uh, oh, who is that black singer from uh, <laughs> from uh, from uh, Gary, Indiana, right? Uh, the uh, oh, one of the biggest international stars ever. It shows you how much I pay attention to rock music anymore. But uh, so yeah, all and uh, Britney Spears, uh, and countless numbers of rock artists who have been promoted by the Jews and who are dumped by the Jews should they not, not obey the Jewish rules they have to play by, okay? So this is where the music industry is at, and there's exposés coming from all over the place, uh, naming the Jews. Uh, and uh, I just got, uh, there's a bit shoot, I'll post this on Eurofolk Radio uh, later today, entitled, Q just called out the Jewish mafia. Q just called out the Jewish mafia. And we've heard uh, this report. The incredibly evil Khazarian mafia has been all over the Internet. Of course, none of this is on mainstream media. But the uh, Internet now is finally calling out the Jews uh, on a regular basis. So that's an important uh, development, Michael. I think uh, eventually this has become mainstream. I don't, anything in the, uh, the press in Sweden that says, uh, you know, about the Rothschilds and Jewish mafia figures, anything in your media about that at all? 
No, this is uh, well, and it's alternatives. Then there's call out, but then I think this is to referring to some dislike. Would you say two points? Kasarian Mafia. Then you would allude to that they are something called good use, but I don't know. Is there any good good um, devils? I, I don't think Christ said that. Yeshua never said there are any any good of them. So this is also a, a bit of a trick. Ah, uh, there there are some of bad, but you know there there's a good also. So there's also a bit of a trick. I think that to to just saying that oh, there's only a certain part of them. And then it's kind of amazing, as you also said, amazing Polly that she found it out because I've been sending sometimes some send out to her. And then I got an email from her. She said, oh, can you please stop sending this? I don't like this because <laughs> it was a picture of her, of this Egyptian Jew. And then they pointed it out. And then she said, no, I don't want to see this. So, okay. okay. That's amazing. She found it out in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You wish you could grab a hold of these people, put them in a straight jacket and force them to look at the truth. <laughs> right. But, that would be hard. Yeah, yeah, it'll cost money too. <laughs> so, yeah, we're really at a disadvantage because we don't have the brainwashing techniques that the Jews do, right? We just don't have, and the money. I mean, the Mystery Babylon, the international banking system is the most powerful force on earth, and they control people's minds. This is the long and the short of it, okay? And so Jeffrey reminded me, as Candace Owen is the uh, partner there of uh, Kanye West in Exposing the Jews. They both were pictured wearing uh, shirts, sweatshirts, saying, White Lives Matter. <laughs> okay, hooray! White lives do matter! Yes, they do! And then Michael Jackson is uh, the name I couldn't think of. You know, How could I forget the name of Michael Jackson? He, he, he owns all of the Beatles, uh, the rights to the Beatles songs. He was a multi-billionaire because he purchased the rights to all those Beatles songs. And he was certainly murdered by the Jew record company executives so they could get their hands on those royalties, right? So the music industry is utterly controlled by Jews, and probably in every country in the world except maybe some Arabian countries or some little uh, dinky countries that you know, their music doesn't matter much, <laughs> right? And it can't be sold for millions of dollars a year. So it's amazing, it's simply amazing that they can get away with murder in virtually every industry, not to mention war, right? And uh, nobody pays any attention to them. You, you have to talk yourself blue in the face before people pay, pay attention. It's really incredible. Okay. So anyway, yeah. So uh, you, you, go ahead. Yeah. I chose their brainwashing technique to make some kind of some topics so um it's so infected, not infected, but people don't want to talk about it because even when you mention the word Jew, people get uh, uneasy. They start to do a strange, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. they move strange, they get very uncomfortable. So talk yeah. about brainwashing. Talk yeah, about right. really yeah. have made that topic so infected. And it's so, yeah. you can't even speak about it among people that are great. They're still asleep. They're asleep. I don't know what to say. Sleep. They're dead. They're spiritually yeah. dead. You can yeah. even have a bomb go, go off beside them. Nothing happened. They're still asleep. Yeah. Yeah, their bodies start shaking, their head, their head goes twisting in different directions, right? It's incredible. You know, the, the art of brainwashing, of course, that was begun during World War II in China, where uh, the Chinese communists were using all types of torture, uh, sensory deprivation uh, to uh, get people, uh, prisoners, 
to believe communist propaganda. Not that they ever really believed it, because they knew in China they were prisoners of war, but they would get them to so uh, their bodies so deprived by starvation and uh, waterboarding and all kinds of other torture forms of torture that they finally succumbed and said, please stop torturing me. I'll believe whatever you say, right? <laughs> but this, brain, modern brainwashing techniques are done through the mass media and through advertising. Yeah, Manchurian candidates, right? All all the, the techniques at their disposal because they have unlimited funds. And there's, it's hard to compete with that. But nevertheless, as we're saying, they're... The truth is finally beginning to break through is when these media personalities, and there have been many uh, throughout the years, Errol Flynn, uh, who was the guy, uh, uh, he was was uh, in that Polish, he played the Polish guy in uh, uh, that Tennessee Williams movie. Uh, right, so he said the Jews caused it all. And there's many who've come and gone, but they've all had to apologize to the Jewish-controlled entertainment industry before all was said and done. But now we're seeing people who are not apologizing. Okay? So that's new. That's really new. And that's good. Don't apologize for being white. (laughs) Don't apologize for being anti-war, for being anti-brainwashing. And which means anti-Jewish. Don't apologize for that, and uh, you know things will go well for you. Keep uh, keep the faith, and never allow any kind of threats to determine what you do. So this is where we're at, folks. Yeah, Marlon Brando. Yeah, and there, there's many others. So anyway, so I just want to really quickly read this. Uh, uh, let's see if I can find it. The uh, this book on the three, yeah, here it is. Uh, I think I put the link in the chat room. If not, I'll do it again. Betrayal at Bethesda, the intertwined fates of James Forstall, Joseph McCarthy, and John F. Kennedy. Very brief description here by J.C. Hawkins, 1970. Published in the November 8th, 27 issue of the Princeton Alumni Weekly. Very interesting. Wow. The Princeton Alumni Weekly. In 1949, former Secretary of Defense James Forstall died from a fall off the 16th floor of a, a building in Bethesda, Maryland. In 1957, Senator Joseph McCarthy died of acute hepatitis. I think he was poisoned. In 1963, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. J.C. Hawkins, 70, refuses to believe that the deaths of the three of the most important men in the fight against communism is a coincidence. Betrayal at Bethesda is his expose that presents an alternative theory to all three deaths. Yeah, they were murdered by the international Jew. Because uh, certainly in the case of McCarthy, he was uh, exposing all these communists in the State Department and in the military, and 90% of them turned out to be Jews, right? So the Jewish community had to do something about McCarthy. And they did. 
All right, folks, that, that's that's real. That's reality in the world today. All right, so today we're going to pick back up this part. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Before interrupting, but I had a quote regarding when we talk about the truth. I found um, a pretty interesting quote I would like to read. Okay. Uh, so it goes like this. Uh, Many people, especially ignorant people, <laughs> want to punish you for speaking the truth. Right. For being correct. For being you. Never apologize for being correct or for being years ahead of your time. If you're right and know it, speak your mind. Even if you are a minority of one, the truth is still the truth. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, challenge them to prove their point. <laughs> right? Yeah. I forget who I was talking to. Oh, yeah. An incident of a friend of mine who uh, confronted a believer in the Jews. And uh, he, uh, so my friend was talking uh, critically about the Jews. And uh, the person he was talking to said to him, wow, you're an anti-Semite. And so my friend, friend thought and said, uh, okay, so, so mister, what's your definition of a Semite? And he, he, couldn't couldn't, he, he couldn't answer the question. <laughs> he had no idea what a Semite was. <laughs> but he thinks he knows what an anti-Semite is, right? So that's a good comeback, folks. Remember that one. If anybody accuses you of being an anti-Semite, just ask that person, uh, can you define the word Semite, please? <laughs> right? And Jews aren't Semites, aren't Shemites. We all know that. All right. So, so good point. All right, so let's get into this. We're doing part seven of the Nameless War by Archibald Ramsay, and we're picking it up at the epilogue, which is around page 87. Let me, I'll put the link in the chat room again. Absolutely phenomenal book. Why don't you pick it up from there? Michael. Thank you very much. I shall always be grateful to the many members who had my return to the house very much easier than it might have been by their imminent greetings and friendly attitude. Many, I fear, whose actions in the uh, chamber itself and outside were detected or reported to the press respectives found themselves the victims of a vendetta inside their um, conscience and in the press uh, on their specific account. When we reflect upon these bloody happenings uh, from the time of King Charles I to our own day, we can, at a long last, find one cause for satisfaction. If such a word can be in any way appropriate, it is that for the first time we can now trace the underlying influences which explain these hideous disfigurations in European history. In the light of a present-day knowledge, we can now recognize and understand the true significance of these terrible happenings. Instead of mere discontented occurrences, disconnected occurrences, we can now discern the merciless working of a satanic plan and seeing and understanding we are in the positions to take steps in the um, further to safeguard all those values which we love and stand for and which that that plan clearly seeks to destroy. 
We cannot thus begin to oppose the planners and operators of that plan, knowing that it, uh, it and their techniques, which all now have been known to them alone. In other words, being um, forewarned, it is our fault if we are not for, forearmed. Yes. Uh, let's see. Let us now uh, forget such a words as the dues of um, uh, the Jew Marcus Eli uh, Ravage, who wrote in the Century Magazine USA in January 1928, quote, We have stood back of not only the last war, but all your wars, and not only the Russians, but all of the um, of your revolu- revolutions worthy of mention in your history, end of quote. Nor should we forget those of Professor Harold Lasky, um, writing in the New Statesman and Nations on the 11th of January 1942. Quote, For this war is in its essence merely an immense revolution in which the war of 1914, the Russian Revolution and the counter-revolutions on the continent are e- earlier phases. Absol- Absolutely. So this is, uh, I mean, you can't really summarize European history any better than in these few paragraphs here, right? So that uh, going back, uh, the book Nameless War doesn't talk about the uh, you know the ex- expulsion of Jews from Spain and how the Jews opened the gates of the Spanish Christian cities to allow the Moors to come in, invade, and take over all of Spain. Right, have a Moorish occupation, I think with 400 years of Moorish occupation. And finally, the Spanish Christians shook the Moors off and it had to shake the Jews off as well. Okay, because the, the Arabs and the Jews have always been, uh, I should say the Muslims, the Muslims and the Jews have been working against Christian civilization in tandem ever since the, uh, the, the Muslims existed because Islam was, uh, basically written by Jewish rabbis, <laughs> right? carried out by Arabs, but the uh, their holy books are written by Jew- Jewish rabbis. Okay, They were hired by Muhammad to write the Koran. So they've been working together against Christianity for, now what, 1,400 years? And uh, so that's, a, that's part of the story that, uh, he doesn't talk about. But uh, the... The Jewish infiltration and manipulation of our leaders, our monarchs and local monarchy and royalty throughout Europe by Jewish moneylenders is a story that, uh, that a, a book by itself. That story is a book by itself. So let's continue. Uh, I, yeah, go ahead. I make a comment also this that uh, he's not mentioning, but I guess also by that time, this would say this kind of question with the, um, the Muslims weren't that actual maybe by that time either. It wasn't so because by then the European was mainly white Europeans. Yes, it was a homogenous society by then. Now it's a change so much, and now it's more now we, now it's more in the face. Right, yeah, it's multicultural, and uh, we have that uh, quote uh, from Barbara Lerner Specter: "The Jews." 
who says, white people have to learn to become multicultural, right? And uh, and we Jews will take the blame for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. One of the only true statements a Jew ever made. Right? Yeah, it's our fault. We're doing it to you, white people. You still don't get it, do you? Ha, ha, ha. Okay. Uh, you know, this is the type of arrogance that the Jewish community has towards us. They really think they can destroy us. They really think they can. But it's still, they still got a long way to go, Michael. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's continue here. Uh, nor the warning from the... Right, let me just fit, uh, re- restate what you just said here. For this war... This is Marcus Eli Ravage. For this war is in its essence... Merely an immense revolution in which the War of 1914, the Russian Revolution, and the counter-revolutions on the continent are earlier phases. Now, it's interesting he says counter-revolutions. So, as we know, the Jews always finance both sides of every war, or at least they try to. And whoever wins, the, the Jews usually profit because the loser that country gets all of its resources stolen from it, as happened to Germany after World War One. right? Talk about raping and stealing and taking everything from the German people they possibly could. That's what happened to Germany after World War One, which guaranteed World War II. So, But for the most part, the Jews promote communism and internationalism. Those are the two, which of course means Zionism. And uh, communism is internationalist as well. So you have to, you cannot look at these two movements, internationalism and communism, without seeing the Jewish hand behind it all. And this is what Marcus uh, Eli Ravage is admitting. Okay, but we also find that the Jews also have a counter-revolution already planned, uh, just in case. Well, because why? Because they want to have another war. Okay, so uh, even before the war starts, for several decades, they will finance somebody, and there's no doubt that Jews financed Hitler in the early days. Okay, and uh, they uh, they also financed uh, uh, what's his name Ho Chi Minh. They financed the communist side, and he they actually dro- drove Ho Chi Minh to take communism because he tried uh, Henry Kissinger refused to. Uh, permit uh, uh, the uh, Vietnamese people their independence. They just wanted to be independent. They didn't want to be communist or capitalist. They just wanted to be independent. But uh, the international Jew wouldn't allow that. So that, then we had the Vietnam War. So, uh, folks, this is this is the way history really works. So let's continue here. Nor the warning from the eminent Jewish-American attorney, publisher, and reporter Henry Klein, issued only last year, quote, The protocols is the plan by which a handful of Jews who composed the Sanhedrin aimed to rule the world by first destroying Christian civilization. Not only are the protocols genuine, in my opinion, but they have been almost entirely fulfilled. The only thing that hasn't been fulfilled is they haven't totally taken over the world yet. They have indeed been largely fulfilled. No small measure of Jewish thanks is being due to Mr. Roosevelt and his ardent lieutenant, the self-styled architect of the Jewish future. Uh, I don't know who he's talking about. He's probably talking about Bernard Baruch, maybe? 
or there were so many uh, high-ranking Jews in the Roosevelt administration, take your pick. In the process, however, Britain and her empire, and worse still, her good name and honor, have been brought down to the dust. As Professor Beard wrote, quote, The noble principles of the Four Freedoms and the Atlantic Charter were for practical purposes discarded in the settlements which accompanied the progress and followed the conclusion of the war. In the validity of this statement, the treatment of the people of Estonia, Lithuania, Poland, Romania, Yugoslavia, China, Indochina, Indonesia, Italy, Germany, and other places of the earth bear witness. There appeared recently in the press the cry of Mrs. Chiang Kai-shek, calling Britain a moral weakling in reference to China. Britain has bartered the soul of a nation for a few pieces of silver. Well, I'd say a few billion pieces of silver. She is reported as saying, and further, one day these pieces of silver will bear interest in the British blood. Toil, sweat, and tears on the battleground of freedom, unquote. She was right about that. It might be General Sikorsky himself speaking, might it not? In the same paper, I saw that Mr. Jackson Martindale, president of the American Institute of Management, has declared that, quote, an Englishman's word is no longer his bond, unquote. How, yeah, because the Jew is telling him what to do. How often have I heard this from Arab sources since 1939? Well, since 1917, when uh, Colonel uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, Colonel Lawrence, uh, fought on the side of the Palestinians only to be betrayed by his own government and the Zionists. And a, and tr- a tremendous disappointment uh, is uh, an un, un, uh, e- a word unequal to the task of explaining his, his disgust at what happened there. Okay, in the same paper, yeah, an Englishman's word is no longer his bond. Quote, I hate to say this, Mr. Martindale continued, but Britain is becoming poor morally as well as economically. Uh, we could say that about America these days, can't we, folks? One more sentence here. From Poland to Palestine and to China, these words are re-echoed and, be it said, reiterated by the Jew-wise section of this country for many years. Back to you, Michael. Thank you. Hmm. Um, the reason is not far to seek. No man can serve two masters, more especially when the principles of interest of these two masters are uh, widely uh, divergent, as uh, are those of Britain and her empire, and Jewry and their empire, the USSR. Ever since the fall of Mr. Chamberlain's government, the interests of the Jewish empire have been advanced as um, uh, pro-digiously uh, as uh, those of Britain and her empire have been eclipsed. Strange than all this, should uh, any dare to state the truth in plain terms, the only response is an uh, accusation of anti-Semitism. Oh, there is the word, anti-Semitism. But how can you be anti-Semitism when they are not Jews, but they are the worst anti-Semitism against us, because we are the Semites. They accuse us of the same things they are. Um, as Mr. Douglas Reed has clearly shown, the term anti-Semitism is meaningless, rubbish, and as uh, he suggests, it might as well be called anti-Semolina. Um, the Arabs are Semites, and not so-called anti-Semite is anti-Arab. Yet the pure Arabs is, is Semite, but when they are mixed, they are not still, then they are not Semites. 
and I guess that Iran consists of many of the Oriental Arabs, I guess. Those uh -huh. that are that are pure. Right. Yeah, and most of those, as we've mentioned many times, most of those people were white once upon a time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Probably Iran consists of many of them. That's probably right. why we don't see so much picture from Iran. That's right. Um, it is not even correct to say that uh, he is anti-Jew. On the contrary, he knows better than the uninformed that a fair uh, proportion of Jews are not en engaged in this conspiracy. The only correct term for this mis uh, call it anti-Semite is uh, Jew-wise. It is indeed the only fair and honest term. The phrase anti-Semite is merely a propaganda word used to um, uh, stampede uh, the unthinking public into dismissing the whole subject from the, their minds without examinations. So long uh, as that is tolerated, these evils will not only continue, but grow worse. Uh, the Jew-wise know that we have enriched a Jewish imperium in Imperium, which is in spite of all uh, protestations and camouflages, is Jewish first and foremost, and in complete union with the reminder of world Jewry. If any doubt this, they need only read G Unity in Disper uh, Dispersion, oh. issued in 1948. Uh, by the World Jewish Congress, which proclaimed Jewry to be one nation. Not all Jews uh, have a wish to be railroaded into the, this narrow social turning, but unless this country affords them um, some way of escape, they dare not take the risks, very grave risks, of defying it. And so they um, perforce cooperate uh, to some degree. Even worse, Certain Gentiles with no good excuse support this united force, uh, which is in turn used to influence or control a political party's home and foresight pol politics, uh, press and public life. Um, right. Over to you. Yes, okay. Thank you. So we see uh, th this important document that I uh, wasn't aware of, Unity in Dispersion, by World Jewish Congress. And of course, this was after the founding of the bandit state, Kyrgyzstan. So they, we can see with the creation of Kyrgyzstan, the Jews pretty much have proclaimed victory over Judea. Well, it's the Judeo-Christian world, right? Over Christianity and the entire world. But we know that uh, this war is ongoing. There's still resistance in nationalist camps against this globalism. And as a matter of fact, people are waking up to globalism en masse, but they're simply not realizing that the Jews are behind it. So this creates a problem for world Jewry, the fact that there's so much resistance to globalism. People see through it. It's a sham. It's uh, tyrannical. It's communistic. You know, the World Economic Forum. I don't think there's any intelligent person who actually accepts the idea that the United Nations and the World Economic Forum should have rule over us. I don't think there's any thinking person who accepts that. However, they have so thoroughly compromised the politicians of the world that there's really not much we can do about it at the moment. But they don't have the control of the minds anymore like they used to. They're just one step away as in the case of 
Kanye West and Candace Owen from understanding who's really behind all this chaos. So let's continue. This unholy united front must be exposed and frustrated. Excuse me. One step toward this objective would seem to be firstly an enactment to prevent uh, non-Jewish Esau's <laughs> from, well, okay, uh, Gentile Esau's is the word he actually use, uses, from, from lending their hands for the carrying out of orders uttered by the voice of Jewish Jacobs. So I don't think he realizes, you know, that Esau and Jewry are the same. Maybe he does. It's a kind of a cryptic statement he makes here. Another, the detachment from the Jewish United Front of Jews who do not wish to subscribe to the dictates of the World Jewish Congress. But that's even tougher. The Jewish community is totally controlled by the money boys. There's no way any Jewish group can survive in opposition to the big money boys. That's not happening, folks. And even the Jews who break away are usually few and far between. Disgruntled Jews who don't want to be told what to do. But they're powerless too. In fact, they're even less powerful than we are because uh, I've known some of these Jews who are on the outs with their own tribe, yet they cannot integrate with us because they're just so different from us. So they're uh, you know, out in limbo. They have no friends. Uh, they, you know, so they have to choose one, either to be, stay in limbo, have no friends, have no relations with the Jews, and have very, very few friends among us either. That's, a, that's not a not happy place to be. So let's continue. So uh, first and foremost, however, is the need to inform people of goodwill as to the truth of this matter, particularly in regard to the real anatomy, aims, and methods of the Marxist-slash-Jewish enemy. I included that slash-Jewish. It is to this end that I humbly offer the contents of this book to all who are determined to fight communism and Zionism, of course. All right, statement. Go ahead, pick it up with the statement, Michael. Yes, and one comment on this. Jamtal, Esau, and Jewish Jacobs. Is it this, if you just... Um revert it by saying Jewish Esau's and, and and Jacobs, then it would, would fit better, I think. But he mixes up who is who, I think. Right, yeah. As, as is typical for most white nationalists, they don't, they're not identity, so they don't understand that the Jews are Esau. Right. Yeah, that's one of the big keys. Right. We need to, we need to give them so they can read the Bible and understand yeah. the Bible is your book, not yeah. Jewish. Well, where is he buried? I'll go dig him up and <laughs> knock some sense into his head. All right, please continue. Well, that's, but if actually, that's not funny, folks, because most of our people are quite seriously that dead in their minds. They have no comprehension because the, the Bible really is a dead book to them because they don't know who Israel is. It's a totally exactly. dead book to them. Yeah. All right. Back to you, Michael. And yeah, go ahead. One comment on this with that Jews try to break out from their community. Isn't it also that the Jews then, the other Jews will do a, like a funeral for him if he leaves. They yes. do a, like a funeral yeah. on the people that leaves. Yeah, yeah, before he's even dead. <laughs> right? Yeah, the, the rabbis do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I thought about one, his brother Nathaniel, at least, he speaks, he, he calls them out anyway, but he's still Jewish. He doesn't say who, that yeah. they are from Esau, so he won't go there, of course. Right, right. And uh, I, neither will uh, 
the, there's a lot of uh, Jews who have websites that supposedly expose Jewish evil, but they still you know, believe in the Holocaust and, and, the, and the idea that the Jews are Israel. You know, uh, so those two, those are the two big bugaboos for the, the last taboos. That uh, if you start exposing those two, then you will make lots of enemies and people will start throwing rocks at you and uh, smearing your name, etc., etc. So the, you know, everybody in media knows what that's about, but they're afraid to, you know, fortunately some of these people are coming on. I mean, you really have to admire Kanye West and Candace Owen for going there. And sticking to their guns and say, hey, these people are Jews. You got to be careful with the Jews. They're not who you think they are. All right. Back to you. Thank you. Yeah. So this is a statement from a statement by Cap Ramsey from a Brixton prison to the speaker and member of parliament concerning his detention on the paragraph 18B of the defense regulations. Yeah, let's go. Ahead. Yeah, continue uh, next page. That was just the title page. Yeah. Um, all the particulars align as ground for my detention are based on charges that my attitude and activities is op- oppositions to communism, Bolshevism, and the policy of organized Jewry were not genuine, but merely a camouflage of an anti-British uh, designs. In the following memorandum, which uh, could be greatly expanded, I have given a minimum of facts which prove that not only was my attitude genuine, open, and unvarying during the whole of my time in the House of Commons, but that in the course of my research I had accumulated numerous and conclusive facts compelling such an attitude and leading logically uh, to the formation of the right uh, club, an essentially, essentially patriotic organization. During the whole of my time as MP since 1931, I have kept up an open and unremitting attack on Bolshevism and its allies. Indeed, I had already stated this opposition long before I became an MP. The following survey will show this, and also the eventual formation of the right club as a logical outcome of my work. This work falls into these uh, phases. During the, during the first, dating from soon after the Russian revolutions till about 1935, I supposed the power behind Bolshevism to the Russian, uh, to be Russian. In the second, 1935-38, I appreciated that they were international. By the third phase, I realized them to be Jewish. Amen. Mm. Yeah. Phase one. It was always a mystery to me in phase one why Russians spent so much time and money on revolutionary activities in Britain. Yeah, yeah. Why were so many? Well, Karl Marx. He spent a lot of time at the uh, British Library uh, writing Das Kapital and uh, probably also uh, what was his, uh, uh, the Communist uh, Party platform. Uh, so well, he was being supported by the Rothschilds while he was in Britain. Okay, continue. Oh, yeah. by the way, um, yeah, in that post on Eurofolk Radio uh, from Amazing Polly, she goes into detail uh, regarding Jewish control of the music industry, where she says she quotes a Jew threatening Kanye West with reprisal if he 
continues to expose the Jewish control of the music industry. And then she says, well, isn't this proof that the Jews control the music industry? If they can threaten people like Kanye West and Michael Jackson and all these other artists that the, you know basically the Jews created with uh, all kinds, of, including death, isn't this proof that the Jews have this kind of power? Absolutely, Polly. <laughs> you finally figured it out. Yeah. yeah maybe I should write something to her and say, woohoo, you found it. Yeah. <laughs> Voila, the light no, bulb finally know. turned on. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we're here to. Correct. Yeah, right. That's, that's what we're here for, folks, to pull the chain on the light switch and get the light bulb to turn on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I can read this part, phase one here. Yeah, okay, sure. My first active step was to speak in the election made famous by the publication in the Daily Mail of letters written by um, uh, Sinu, Sinuview, uh, alias uh, Up, um, Felsbaum. Up, Felsbaum. No, Zinoviev, sorry, Zinoviev, alias Apfelbaum. Jew, of course. Back to you. Yeah. Calling for revolution in Britain. I spoke against Bolshevism and um, in the uh, Northwich Division. On being elected in 1931, I joined the Russian Trade Committee, which kept a watch um, on their activities here. I also joined the Council of the Christian Protest Movement, founded to protest against the outrages on uh, priests, nuns, and the Christian churches committed by the Bolsheviks. Uh, Hansard will show that I asked many questions during this period attacking their activities in this country. Okay. Yes, note that no synagogues were attacked in Russia at this time. Okay? Only Christian churches and only Christian priests and nuns were attacked, raped and murdered, but no rabbis. And that should give you a clue, folks. <laughs> right? But, you know, do we need to have Sherlock Holmes explain these things to you? Phase two. In phase two, I recognized the forces behind Bolshevism not to be Russian, but international. I tried to picture the composition of that mysterious body, the Comintern, over whom, according to the replies to my parliamentary questions, the Soviet government could exercise no control. In the latter end of this phase, I made sufficient progress with this mental picture of the Comintern that I made it the subject of a number of addresses which I gave to Rotary Clubs and other societies in London, Edinburgh, and elsewhere, entitling them frequently Red Wings over Europe. This second phase lasted well into the Spanish Civil War, recognizing almost at once the guilt of the common turn in the whole affair, down to the International Brigade. I attacked them continuously by a stream of questions in the house. So let me pose a question to you, Michael. Where would the red government of the Soviet Union get all the money and the resources to secretly have a, 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 a make an army in Spain to overthrow Spain? How, how could they do that? Without being detected. The money must come from their banking operations. That was mainly, I guess, yeah. or if we're being able to say, in America. Your big yeah. banks that the Jewish established in America, they funneled those money um, through Europe, by, by, among others, through Sweden. And also this, this yeah, damn just... red banker, Olaf Ashberg, did the same. He was also a red banker. Yeah. 
Yeah, Jewish Jewish communist bankers. Yes, they are communist bankers. That's in, right. Um, so they are all all those today, same as still today. Goldman Sachs and all of those right. Jewish banks are are and of course also the Rothschild, they are also fun, but they have to use their their subsidiaries bank to spread out the money, of course. Yeah. How about the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, who is in fact a a member of the Rothschild family who tells us you will own nothing and like it. Isn't that communism? It is. But <laughs> still, he will own a lot of stuff. He will have a lot of power. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he will. But uh, I don't think they will succeed. Yeah, no, uh, they won't. But it's going to be a lot of pain. Like uh, I had two episodes of COVID, very painful, folks. We're not over. COVID is not over yet. Not planetary wide. They're still trying to kill us. And of course, in these last two years, uh, 2022 was far worse. The death rate is far worse after the jab was introduced. Uh, we're losing millions of people to the jab. Hardly lost anybody to so-called COVID. And we were, we were ready for this, Michael. We anticipated that once people start accepting the jab, we're going to have millions of deaths. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Okay. And I also want to, my point in this with COVID, I think it is, is doesn't exist. It's just a normal flu, right. a normal cold. And yeah. then they trick people to take the mark of the beast because undoubtedly I've done the myriad small, small talks about this uh, scripture to see that this, this is the mark of the beast. Same. Another thing that I realized, I look in them and they now start to scan people on the airport for the proof of the vaccine. Oh, that will light up. Ooh. That lights up in the arm and in the forehead. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they don't give shots in the butt anymore, <laughs> right? But they, they will read your body temperature because uh, I had this happen to me at a hospital where my wife was staying for cancer treatment. Uh, they had a scanner, and they just read your body temperature with the scanner instantly, you know, off your, off your forehead. Okay. Yeah, and and if you're – go ahead. Yeah, sorry, uh, yeah. but uh, this also think on the airports that they do this. I think it was American. He was an, he is an American uh, um, artist, so he got caught using this uh, fake COVID pass. So he was oh. scanning him. Uh-huh. Then she had to like uh, he couldn't leave Georgia. So you haven't uh, because of this uh, because they they use the scan. So beware! Don't use fake COVID right. because you can strangle someone you can't get away from. You can be strangled thousands of miles from home. Right. So you mean you, you mean Georgia in Europe, not Georgia in America? Yeah. No, wow. Georgia in Europe. Oh boy. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be stranded there. (laughs) Okay. Georgia and America, no problem. (laughs) I got a lot of friends in Georgia. (laughs) So, wow. Yeah, yeah, be careful because if if you get, if you succeed in fooling them in one direction, you may not succeed coming back, right? Exactly. Right. That's the plan, I think. Yeah. On the way home, they take people, and there's a farther away from home, we won't get home. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah, don't uh, don't try to outsmart the devil, (laughs) right? They they, they didn't get to work. They're the masters at outsmarting us. Uh, Well, they keep tabs on us constantly. You know, who is outsmarting us? Has there been a movement that's, uh, you know, uh, some movement that outsmarts us in this area or the other? They'll find out about it quick. Right. And so you can't fool them. So when you come into right now, I think uh, they scan you when you just walk right in. They don't even need this device that they aim at your forehead. 
Plus, if you got the shot, you're telegraphing, literally, you're telegraphing your uh, medical records to, to their scanners, right? And they can project it on a TV screen whether you got the, t- uh, uh, the actual serial number of the shot you got. Yeah. And I also believe this is something now they're injected something that is not made in nature in people. Yes. So by now they can patent people. Yes. Yeah. They can, yeah. They claim they own you. Those will not have, they don't have quote unquote human rights because they're not human anymore. Right. Yeah. They're something. <laughs> Transhuman. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I forgot where we're at. This is, this is serious. Or, or, yeah. Okay, uh, where was I? Rotary clubs? Red, no, I don't, I don't think I read that. The second phase, the Spanish War. I think you read that. Okay. I've, uh, yeah. I've, so the uh, entire British national press, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so, well, phase two, I remember started reading, but I can't remember where I left off, so let me just start over there. In phase two, I recognized the forces behind Bolshevism not to be Russian, but international. I tried to picture the composition of that mysterious body, the Comintern, over whom, according to the replies to my parliamentary questions, the Soviet government could exercise no control. In that latter end of this phase, I had made sufficient progress with this mental picture of the common turn that I made it the subject of a number of addresses, which I gave to Rotary Clubs and other societies in London, Edinburgh, elsewhere, entitling them frequently Red Wings over Europe. This second phase lasted well into the Spanish Civil War, recognizing almost at once the guilt of the common turn and the whole affair, but we, uh, that's when we uh, left off. We started talking about, well, who finances this? The Soviets didn't have all, a lot of money. Where's all the money? The Soviet Union was dependent upon what? Upon lend-lease from America, <laughs> right? And their their industrial capacity was almost nil without uh, support from American and Jewish bankers around the world. So let's continue uh, down to the... Uh, recognizing almost at once the guilt of the common turn and the whole affair down to the international brigade. I attacked them continuously by a stream of questions in the house. The attitude of the entire British national press at first amazed and subsequently helped me to enlighten me as to the real powers behind world revolution. The press presented General Franco's enemies as liberal and Protestant reformers instead of the anti-God international revolutionaries they were. Officials of the Russian Cheka were actually in charge of the prisons on the red side. Is he talking about Spain or Russia? (laughs) McGovern established all the main facts in his pamphlet, Red Terror in Spain. He's talking about Spain. I organized parades of sandwich men at this time to expose the Bolshevik guilt in Spain, assisted a paper called the Free Press, and did what propaganda I could. Some 80 or 90 MPs subscribed at one time or another to these efforts. Why don't you pick it up on the next page, Michael? This is a long section. Thank you. But um, I know why I used the word propaganda, because when I hear propaganda, that's lies for me. 
Yes, yeah. Well, in those days, especially by the left, the left uses the word propaganda as news. See, they don't want you to know that it's lies. <laughs> so for them, the word propaganda means news, you know, information put out by anybody. So we have, we have the correct view of the word propaganda. Yeah, back to you. Okay, so in September 1937, I accepted the chairmanship of the United Christian Front Committee on behalf of Sir Henry Lund. Therefore, thereafter, many thousands of letters were sent out over my signature to leading people in the kingdom, appraising them for the true facts of the war in Spain and urging Christians of all communities to join in combating the godless red terror that uh, threatened Spain then and thereafter all Europe, Britain included. A number of uh, patriarch. uh, Uh, Patriotic societies now began to cooperate regularly with me uh, in this work against Bolshevism, including the National uh, Citizens Union, the British Empire League and uh, Liberty Restoration League and the Economic League. We took the meetings regularly in in a committee room of the House of Commons. In May 1936, when I set out to oppose the entire entry into this uh, country of agents uh, of the uh, Comitern of uh, for attending the so-called godless co- um, congress we were joined by the british bible union the order of the child and the british israel world federation oh wow okay from information given me by the societies i realized that the previous godless uh, congress hella hella prague had brought under and unified uh, control of all national free-thinking societies who were now under the authority of the militant godless of Russia and were therefore a subtle and potent weapon for Bolshevik propaganda. Yeah, that is propaganda, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> At our meetings uh, to coordinate oppositions, we all agreed that while it was perhaps um, the rights of British men and women uh, to hold a congress on my subject... This liberty should not be um, consumed into license for international revolutionaries to develop their plans for the destruction of the religious, social and public life of our country. On the 28th of June, uh, therefore, I introduced a bill entitled the Aliens Restricted uh, Blasphemy Bill to prevent aliens from attending this Congress or Uh making it an uh, occasion for the disparations of their blasphemous literature. The bill uh, uh, received a first uh, reading by 165 votes to 134 in the no lobby where uh, Mrs. Rothschilds, G.R. Strauss, T. Levi, A.M. Lyons, Sir F. Harris, D.M. Pritt, uh, W. Uh, Gallagher, uh, Dr. Hayden, uh, Guest and Dr. Summers killed, and all those must have been Jews. No, just, a, just about all of them. And uh, Sir F. Harris may be the uh, bomber, who the, the uh, British general who started bombing uh, Germany, you know, a civilian, to, but maybe not, but probably related to him. <laughs> but very importantly, Messrs. Rothschild. Mr. Rothschild was uh, voted no, no, we should allow these aliens to come in here and destroy our country. Back to you. Yeah, or not their country. They won't destroy it. And Gear Strauss and Levi, all Jews. Yep. So, in the autumn of 1938, 
I was made acquainted with the fact that the power behind World Revolution was not just a vague bar of internationalists, but organized world jury. The first document so, uh, convincing me was actually a British government white paper of those existence. I have not been previously aware. This quoted um, verbatim an extract from a report received by Mr. Balfour on September the 19th. 1918, from Mr. Uh, Oldendijk, the Netherlands minister in, in uh, Petrograd, who was at that time in charge of British interest uh, there as follows. Uh, I can read the quote. Yeah. Quote, uh, the danger is now so great that I feel it's my duty to call the attention of the British government and all other governments uh, to the fact that if an end an end is not put to Bolshevism at once, the civilization of the whole world will be threatened. This is not an exaggeration, but a matter of fact. I consider that the imminent suppression of Bolshevism is the greatest issue before the world, not even uh, excluding the war which is still raging, and unless, as above stated, Bolshevism is nipped in the bud immediately, it is bound to spread over Europe and the whole world uh, in uh, one form or another, um, as it is organized and worked by Jews, who have not nationally and whose one object it is to destroy for their own ends the existing order of things. The only manner in which this danger can be averted would be co uh, collective actions on the part of all the powers. End of quote. Right. Leave it to you. Yeah, so what could all the powers do? When the, the Jew Bolshevik bankers are in total control of all powers already. They, there's really nothing that can be done. That's why nothing has been done and nothing will be done until the people rise up against the international Jew banker. Right? Uh, one of the things we could do is organize boycotts against Jewish businesses and just stop giving them our money. Right? But that's why I think they've anticipated this. And that's why they're initiating the central bank digital currency so that, uh, you know, we can't take our money out of their banks. Right? They have total control over our money and, uh, know how we spend it. And we'll, we'll, uh, the plan is, I don't know if you've heard, Michael, they're, they're going to give us, I don't know what denomination they're going to call the new currency, but, uh, they will, pay you like basically we'll all get like a welfare stipend every month and then you have to spend it that month and if you don't spend it by the end of the month it disappears <laughs> right this is so talk about it's like a, yeah it's like a credit more yeah right yeah they give you credit it's a social credit scheme by the way that's what Hitler did to overcome the Jewish boycott of Germany, it was a social credit scheme, but there was actually paper notes by which he rejuvenated the economy. But they're not going to issue these notes to rejuvenate the economy. They're going to issue these CBDC, electronic money, to control us. That's the real reason in this case, right? So, continuing. Almost as remarkable as the above quotation was the fact brought to my notice simultaneously, namely that this white paper had been immediately withdrawn. I was just getting ready to say, as you were reading it, uh, Mr. Balfour was more likely to suppress this information than to promote it. Why? 
because he's the foremost promoter of Zionism. Right? The Jews had already had their mitts in Mr. Balfour already, so that there's no way that Balfour is going to expose the Jewish nature of communism when he's the foremost promoter in Britain of Zionism. No way. Okay? So this is understandable. So let me uh, start this from the beginning. Almost as remarkable as the above quotation was the fact brought to my attention simultaneously, namely that this white paper had been immediately withdrawn and replaced by an abridged edition from which these vital passages had been eliminated, namely the Jewish passages. I was shown the two white papers, the original and the abridged issue, side by side. The second document which came to my notice at this time was the booklet entitled The Rulers of Russia, written by Dr. Dennis Fahey and bearing the imprimatur of the Archbishop of Dublin, dated 26 March 1938. In the opening sentence of this pamphlet, Dr. Fahey writes, quote, In this pamphlet I present to my readers a number of serious documents which go to show that the real forces behind Bolshevism are Jewish forces, and what Bolshevism is, re- is really an instrument in the hands of the Jews for the establishment of their future Messianic kingdom, unquote. Dr. Fahey then adduces an interesting volume of evidence. On page one, he gives also the following passage by Mr. Hilaire Belloc, taken from the latter's weekly, dated 4th February 1937. He's a Frenchman who's Jew-savvy, Mr. Belloc. Quote, As for anyone who does not know that the present revolutionary Bolshevist movement in Russia is Jewish, I can only say that he must be a man who is taken in by the suppression of our deplorable press, okay? So France has a deplorable press, too. It's ubiquitous, folks, and they call us deplorable. Other authorities quoted in the pamphlet include Dr. Homer, Count Leon de Ponsins in his Contra-Revolution, and evidence given on the 12th February 1919 before a committee of the United States Senate by the Reverend George A. Simmons, superintendent of the Methodist Episcopal Church in Petrograd from 1907 to October 6, 1918. So here again, Michael, we see this, this was common knowledge in those days. It was all yeah. over the place. So it what? Yeah, yeah. And in Sweden too was known here too, but uh, they nibbed that in the bud too. They and started to instigate the first hate speech law also. Yeah, so this shows why the Jews must take control of the press as a, a mainspring of their control of any country and, of course, the world. Okay, and we know that the Jews control the press in America. Uh, the Rothschilds control all the news services uh, like uh, Reuters and the Associated Press, etc. There is nothing in mainstream media that isn't controlled by them. Yet we have millions of zombies watching their television sets, uh, blissfully unaware that they're being brainwashed, propagandized, and their lives are being destroyed by the owners of all of the, these mass media organs. They simply don't understand that they're they're being destroyed by television, not entertained by it. Okay, so 
the Reverend Mr. Simons, or, yeah, you know, Simons, I mispronounced it earlier, stated on this occasion with regard to the Bolshevik government in Petrograd, I'll just go ahead and read the quote, in December 1918, under the presidency of a man known as Apfelbaum, that is Zinoviev, out of 388 members, only 16 happened to be real Russians, and all the rest, with the exception of one man who was a Negro from North America, were Jews. And 265 of these Jews belonged to this northern commune government that is sitting in the old Smolny Institute come from the lower east side of New York, 265 of them, unquote. Okay, folks? So, Michael, is this a Russian revolution or a coup from outside? No, it's a coup from outside by the... Uh, the Jews, I guess, also lower east side of New York, weren't there? Isn't there where where Jews have their headquarters? Yep, that's right. Yeah, that's right. New York City. So the whole shebang was organized by New York Jews. Well, of course, as you stated earlier, that's where the banking center had been moved to by this time from London to America, and. The uh, and the Rockefellers loaned their mansion, I believe it was on Long Island, if I'm not mistaken, for, to allow these Jews to take target practice and maneuvers on Long Island before getting on a boat to Russia. So isn't it out, uh, astounding, folks, that 265 of these men were not even Russians? They, they probably didn't even know how to speak Russian. Uh, Lenin did not know how to speak Russian. He spoke, his natural tongue was German. So it's very obvious that the so-called Russian Revolution was, in fact, a Jewish putsch over Russia and must be understood as such. Back to you. Yeah, and one of the – there was many reasons for Patovskets also because by then the Russian SARS has not bowed down to – to Rothschild to instigate a central bank. Yes. And that cannot be tolerated. So, okay. On uh, page 8, Dr. Fay quotes uh, figures showing that in the year of 1936, quote, the Central Committee of the Communist Party in Moscow, the very center of international communism, consisted of 59 members, of whom 56 were Jews. And the other three were married to Jewesses. End of quote. That's even worse. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And Stal- end quote. Stalin, uh, present ruler of Russia, is not a Jew, but he took uh, as his second wife the 21-year-old sister of the Jew L.M. Uh, Kagnovich, his right-hand man, who has been spoken of as his uh, probable or possible successor. Stalin's every movement is made on the Jewish eyes, end of quote. Yeah, and we know, we've gotten since information that both Lenin and Stalin have Jewish roots as well. Back to you. Yes. In addition to these documents, uh, their new reached me a uh, quantity of evidence concerning Jewish activities in Great Britain in the shape of subversive organi- organizations of every um, descriptions, anti-religious, anti-moral, revolutionary, and those working to establish the Jewish system of uh, financial and industrial monopoly. Thus, I became finally convinced of the fact that the Russian and Spanish revolutions and 
the subversive societies in Britain were part and parcel um, of the one and the same plan, secretly uh, operated and controlled by world jury, um, exactly on the um, lines laid down in the protocols of Elders of Zion, filled in the British Museum in 1906, which had been reproduced soon after uh, the last war of the Morning Post, and from which this newspaper never uh, ah, recovered. Okay, yes, yeah, so you tell the truth. You publish the truth about the Jews, and your business crumbles. Right? Yeah. That's what happens. Yes. Uh, these protocols are not forgery, and I'm uh, and I uh, and other could supply evidence uh, to that effect that would uh, convince an imperial tribunal. Yeah, impartial, impartial tribunal. Impartial. Yep. Um, at the next meeting of the uh, periodic and Christian societies, I felt in duty bound to uh, broach uh, the Jewish question um, and realized very soon that there had coming a, a parroting of ways. Um, with very few exceptions, our core operations ceased. I realized that if anything was to be done, some special groups would have uh, to be formed, which, while retaining the essential characteristics of the fo uh, former one, would take up the task of opposing and exposing the Jewish means. It was then menace. that the idea. Yeah, the Jewish menace. Menace is yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah, Jewish menace. Yeah. It was then that the idea of the right club originated, uh, though the actual formation did not actually come about till um, some months later, in May 1939. Oh, wow. And then the war broke out, right? <laughs> so there goes, uh, up in smoke, your uh, ability to really form a large organization in the middle of a war, right? So, but, And then, of course, we understand that all wars are Jewish wars. So, and any organization that tries to expose Jewry is immediately attacked by the mainstream media. They control the churches as well, so that your reputation is smeared by, not only by Jews, but by Judeo-Christians as well, uh, so-called conservatives, liberals, leftists, and a whole shebang. They will come out en masse and attack you. Just as they did to the early Christians just as they did to Yahshua Messiah. So folks, we're going through the same thing today. Christian identity is going through the same thing today. But guess who won, Michael? Of course, Yahshua Messiah. Yeah, amen. So so, so don't lose hope, folks. Uh, we're going to win this thing, no doubt about it. Okay. So uh, uh, is that the finish of... Uh, Yes, you so started from Yeah. Okay, okay, from the autumn of 1938 onwards, I spent many hours a week talking to backbenchers and members of the government alike on these subjects, uh, obviously in hushed tones. The very magnitude of the issues involved put many off. One particular rejoinder typifies, in my recollection, this sort of attitude. Quote, well, that is all very disturbing, awful in fact, but what is one to do about it? I shall go off now and try and forget all about it as soon as possible, unquote. Yeah. Just stick your head into the sand, just pretend that all is grand, right? 
About the end of 1938, news was brought to me that the control shares of the Daily Mail were for sale. Knowing that a severe advertisement boycott had been put in operation against the paper following upon its having printed two or three articles giving what in international eyes had been a pro-Franco view of the Spanish War, in reality the truth, the news was no great surprise to me. Okay, so that's what you get if you publish the truth about the Jews. Could I find a buyer? I decided to approach a certain very wealthy and patriotic peer, the head of a great business. A mutual friend arranged an interview. On introduction, I gave a survey of the activities and power of organized Jewry in general and of their secret publicity control in Britain in particular, as I saw it. When I ended after some 70 minutes, general concurrence in my views was expressed. Thereupon, the mutual friend and I tried to persuade our hearer to buy the said shares and tear the gag off the conspiracy of silence. Quote, I dare it, he said. Quote, they would bring me to a crust of bread. <laughs> if it was only myself, I wouldn't mind. I'd fight them. But many of my shares are held by the widow and the orphan, and for their sakes I must refuse. Unquote. I don't know what he means by many of my shares are held by the widow and the orphan. Uh, yeah, obviously he controls the shares, but he he understood the, the most important thing. They would bring me to a crust of bread. They would destroy me. So there's no way he could do it. On our expressing astonishment that jury could inflict such crushing retaliation on a man of his financial strength and industrial power, and so conspicuous a national figure, he gave us details of just such retaliation directed against him by organized Jewry some years previously. He had refused to comply with some demands they had made of him affecting his works. After a final warning, which he ignored, a world boycott had been started against him, which had become effective in 24 hours. Wherever he had agents or offices, fires and strikes also mysteriously occurred. The resulting losses had finally compelled him to give in. Within 24 hours, the boycott was lifted all over the world. And the Jews don't have any power? They're so persecuted, Michael. The, con the consistent misreporting of important features in the Spanish Civil War had deeply impressed many MPs. They felt that a bias so extreme, so universal, and so consistent, always against Franco, indicated the existence of some deliberate plan. Oh, how about a consistent bias against a guy named Trump? And no bias at all against somebody named Biden or Hillary Clinton, right? <laughs> okay. And though unwilling to agree my, with my thesis, that the Jews were operating this control by various means, and that the whole affair was part of their world plan, nevertheless, many felt that something was very wrong somewhere. And we're back in that situation again, Michael, where many more nationalists and simply aware people, patriots of various countries, right-wingers, uh, intellectuals of every class, 
are seeing there's something seriously wrong somewhere. Somebody please point out what, where the problem lies. Back to you, Michael. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, but they don't want to look at that if you point it out. No. They will run in another direction. Yes, yeah. In the course of these um, conversations, I obtained the support of a member of all parties uh, to the bill I was preparing in this uh, connection. Uh, on December the 13th, 1938, I introduced the bill entitled uh, Companies Act Amendment Bill, which made it uh, compulsory for shares in newspaper and news agency to be held in the actual names of the holders instead of the names of uh, nominees, as is done now in the majority of the cases. The bill received a first uh, reading by 151 votes uh, to 104. In the A lobby, where members of all parties, including 13 um, right uh, hon gentlemen, um, eight of these um, socialists. In the no lobby, um, where Messrs. Rothschild, um, Schuster, Shinwell, Coslett, uh, uh, Galacker, Sir A. Um, Sinclair, Gluckstein, and Mr. Samuel uh, Story opposed. Uh, also blocked the bill and seemed suitable for the role. Uh, I now took the decisions to protect at once with the formations of a group similar in character uh, to the group of representatives of Christians and uh, patriot, patriot societies, which I uh, had worked with up to the emergence of Jewish problems, but this time a group which would place oppositions to the men's in the forefront of its activities. The group was finally inaugurated in May 1939 and was the right club. Simultaneously, a committee was formed with the dual purpose of um, coordinating the work of all the uh, patriotic societies referred to as PP and uh, of uh, being a recurring ground for the right group. This group was called the uh, uh, Coordinating Committee. Mr. Cross was the secretary and the late Duke of Wellington, president of Liberty Rest, uh, Restora- Re- Restoring League, was the chairman uh, at the most of uh, the few meetings was held. The first object of the right club was to enlighten the Tory parties and clear it from any Jewish control. Um, organized Jewry was now clearly out for world war. The failure of their international um, Brigades in Spain and the growing exposure of themselves and the conquering risk of total collapse of their plans uh, rendered in imminent war from their point of view imperative. Uh, oh, isn't it exactly what they're doing today too? That's right. They want to cover. That's they right. want to cover that their actions are exposed by them starting a war or something else. Very, yeah, very. That people oh look in another direction. Yes, and the chief cause of the failure of the so-called Spanish Revolution was Sir Hitler, Herr Hitler. His support of the nationalists in Spain caused the Spanish, the Jew Spanish Revolution to fail. So from that moment on, Mr. Hitler was in their target, in the, uh, the, the crosshairs of their spyglass, right? So, and uh, now they, they knew they had to get rid of Hitler. And uh, and then uh, the the means by which they compromised Hitler was by 
making the Poles refuse to give up their control, or at least to refuse to stop murdering ethnic Germans in the Danzig Corridor. Up to that point in time, at least 30,000 Germans were simply uh, ethnically cleansed by the Polish government, uh, I'm sure, at Jewish instigation. And since the Polish government refused to do that, Hitler had no choice but to defend those Germans that were still living there by invading. And this is not in the history books, folks. <laughs> okay? Oh, by the way, they control our history books, too, not just current news. All right. So, in, let's see. We have about 10 minutes left. In July 1939, I had an interview with the prime minister. Now, he, he's high up there. You know, Mr. Ramsey, you're talking the, the current Duke of Wellington was part of his group. And he's meeting with, and he, he was uh, attaché to Prime Minister Chamberlain. So he, he was in a position to know and to see per firsthand what's going on. In July 1939, I had an interview with the Prime Minister. I, I think he's talking about Chamberlain. I dealt with the Russian Revolution and the part Jewry had played in it, and with the Spanish Revolution, prepared and carried out on similar lines by much the same people, with the subversive societies in Britain and the press and news controlling existing in, in this country. I finally drew the Prime Minister's attention to the underground work that was going on with the object of overthrowing his peace policy and himself and precipitating the war. Mr. Chamberlain considered that charges of so grave and far-reaching a character would require very substantial documentary proof. I decided to collect documentary proof, which would make it possible for action to be taken. And I'm sure that proof is given to us in this book, right? The outbreak of war enabled the Jews to give their activities the cloak of patriotism. Their press power enabled them to portray those opposing their designs and exposing them as pro-Nazi and disloyal to Britain. The same thing happened here in America, Michael where anybody who was opposed to World War II would be uh, smeared in the press as pro-Nazi, even though all they were concerned about was uh, avoiding the war, right? This is the type of propaganda the Jews use against anybody who opposes their designs, okay? Yeah, and let's see, I don't, uh, I'm not really following, but when we start opposing eventual wars with Russia, let's see what they try to smear with them. Yeah, well, they're already pro-Ukrainian, uh, you know, in all the propaganda, all the American press is pro-Ukraine and blaming everything on Putin, even though for eight years the Ukrainians had been bombing and shelling, uh, you know, those two provinces that broke away from Ukraine because those were Russian speakers and actually they, you know, were part of Russia to begin with, but uh, the mass media failed to point that out, so the, the, those pro-Russian, you know, formerly citizens of Ukraine were just bombed to smithereens by Ukraine during that eight-year period after, after the 2014 coup by the Jews, okay? They don't say anything about that. And so Putin finally got sick and tired of that, and, uh, you know, and also because they were putting their, uh, you know, their chemical warfare, uh, as CIA-sponsored chemical warfare uh, places along the Russian border, 
uh, Putin started, he acted. You know, kind, of, kind of like Hitler, right? <laughs> he, he was trying to prevent more deaths of Ger- ethnic Germans in Poland. That's what Hitler was trying to do. So, where was I? Yeah, po- okay, uh, I- sorry, yeah, they poke, poked at Putin too many times. And then they see his reaction as something that is bad. But he's just, he is doing out of, uh, yeah, protecting his the Russian interests and his people. Yes, absolutely. Just as Hitler had to do. Folks, do you smell World War Three? Yeah, I'm yeah. that is what yeah. they want anyway. Yes, right. Because they want to kill us. Collapse. Yeah. Yeah, and to cover the collapse of their economic system. Yeah, amen. The difficulty I was faced with was that while I was in duty bound to warn the country against the consequences of a policy influenced by organized Jewry and opposed to British interests, I, at the same time, did not want to create difficulties for Mr. Chamberlain. Well, of course, uh, Lindbergh did the same thing in America. He denounced the Jews publicly as trying to instigate World War II and trying to drag America into it. You see what happened to him. It was decided, therefore, that the right club should close down for the duration. Wow. Yeah. As I said, how is this club going to form in the middle of a war? The spirit of the club naturally led the younger members to join the services, wherein they have served with distinction on most fronts. It was in keeping with the same spirit that others, not so engaged, should continue to fight the internal enemy, no less formidable, than the Axis powers and in a way more dangerous owing to his secret methods and the fact that he can work from within as well as from without. To this end, therefore, I and others in an individual capacity disseminated on occasion some leaflets of mine called Do You Know? And have you noticed my verses beginning, quote, Land of Dope and Jewelry. (laughs) Okay. Michael, I don't know about your country, but I can tell you that here in America, countless numbers of patriotic groups, local, county, municipal, have tried to put a, do the same type of pamphleteering, but with little success, because as soon as the Jews find out you're doing stuff like this, they will find out who you are, they will organize Antifa against you, throw rocks at your house, uh, cut your, uh, stab the uh, tires of your car, etc., etc. Yeah, it's the same here too. It is yeah. harassment of, of the political political position. It's the same here. Yeah. So uh, ultimately, the, the more people they do this to, the more people will get, get upset. And I think what's going to happen is lone... Vengeance, vengeance takers are going to just take it upon themselves to take vengeance on the Jews. That's what I see happening, okay? So, of course, because I just said that, the Jews will come after me when that starts happening, right? So I have to be careful what I say, but come uh, arrest me. Go ahead and arrest me. All right? My life is too dull and boring. Okay, to this end, therefore, I and others, yeah, so they put these uh, uh, pamphlets out. This was with the idea of educating the, the public sufficiently to maintain the atmosphere in which the phony war, as it was called, yeah, we have another phony war going on in Ukraine, folks, might be converted into an honorable peace. 
It was certainly not defeatist, as Jewish propaganda tried to make it out. It was not we of the right club who were holding back from the fighting services in this war any more than in the last. Quite the contrary. I was determined to make further efforts to convince Mr. Chamberlain and even perhaps the 1922 committee of the truth of my case and thus avert total war and commenced reinforcing the documentary evidence already in my position. And I have to say, all to no avail. That concludes page 83. We only have less than two minutes left. Michael, your comment at this point. Yeah, he's he has done a he did a good um, what to say good fight, but apparently the the British people because he lacked I guess also the British people's support because they were probably as today pretty they were far in but of course we shouldn't look at the numbers but we also need support from the people when doing this so they understand yeah. this because uh, because that is what the Jews win on. Because they they themselves is not attacking; it's our own people that are attacking. Right, us. exactly, exactly. So the old age old tactic of the Jews is once they begin to be exposed, as they are being exposed in America today, they start a war. Yeah, war is something calamity like this yeah. COVID scam, whatever. Yeah, to distract us away from the fact that the Jew is being exposed, and they can't have that. So therefore, the distraction is the next war. All right, folks, that's our show today. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for listening, everybody. Praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition. Get ready for World War III. It's already begun, as we've been telling you. Thank you much. Take care. Bye-bye, and Yahweh bless everybody.